Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, January the 11th. And our top story today is that dozens of couples have had their weddings cancelled after a hotel announced it was closing. Now, this is the 18th century Hadlow Manor Hotel in Tunbridge, which is due to be turned into flats and homes. Our reporter, Sean McPolin, who's written the story on Kent Online today, joins me now to talk about this one. Sean, we were told that the hotel was going to shut, but in September, what's changed? Well, it was originally going to close in September this year, but that's um, sort of been thrown out of the window and it's now going to be closing at the end of January, um, January 29th to be exact. Um, And it means the hotels had to cancel 37 weddings in total. Um, So there's a lot of of brides-to-be and grooms who have been left sort of devastated and upset by this. There's also 29 members of staff who are um, going to be out of jobs. And you've been speaking to some of the couples who are affected. What have they said? Many of the couples that I've spoken to have just said how absolutely heartbreaking it is for them. It's just caused a lot of stress, a lot of headaches. And they've been left sort of frantically trying to search for a new venue um, on the same day and the same time, um, as well as trying to get the services and the, and the entertainment, etc., supplies they've provided to be able to do that day. Absolutely heartbreaking for them, Sean. What have bosses at the hotel had to say to you? The only thing really that the hotel has come out and said is that it's a, they've had to make the extremely disappointing um, decision to close the hotel um, sort of around half a year earlier. And they um, regretfully apologised to um, the staff and to brides and grooms who have booked in there um, that they've had to, to let them down at such short notice. And finally, Sean, have we got more details on the conversion of the building? The plans for the 18th century Georgian Hotel actually include changing the main part of the building into um, six new homes and then demolishing some of the um, conversions um, a bit further away, a bit further away, and creating six more homes. So in total, there will be twelve homes. Sean, thank you ever so much. You can also read that story in full today by heading to kentonline.co.uk. Perhaps you've been affected by the closure. We'd like to hear from you. You can email us. It's news at thekmgroup.co.uk. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today: and a dog owner whose pets attacked a runner near Canterbury, leaving him with almost forty wounds, has avoided being sent to prison. A court heard the victim had been exercising on Hernbay Road in August 2019. Andrew Gearing, who's 54 and from Hernbay Road in Sturry, has been given a suspended sentence and told to pay compensation. Tributes are being paid to a Kent couple who died in a waterfall tragedy in Wales. Rachel and Helen Patching from Westmoreland went missing while on holiday earlier this month and their bodies have now been found. Their families have described them as devoted, self Selfless and loving. Meantime, the brother of a woman who was found dead in a lake at Blue Water has described her as lovely and easygoing. Taywo Belogan went missing from Crayford last month. Her family say she was still struggling with the death of her daughter 15 years ago and also worked as a carer for one of her three sons. Nearly £4,000 has been donated to a fundraising campaign to help pay for her funeral. Police are hunting a suspected robber who threatened a man with a knife at a bus stop in Mar. 
Margate. The victim says he refused to hand over his phone or money to a woman in Churchfield Place on Sunday. She left the scene after he got on a bus and we've got a description of the suspect on the website today. A Chatham builder's been banned from driving after getting into a tipper truck after drinking. Police spotted Trevor Booker with a pint outside a social club and followed his vehicle to Waterslate. The 65-year-old from Ewart Road will also have to pay a total of more than £750 in fines and costs. Now, figures out today from Shelter show Dartford and Swale have some of the highest homelessness rates in the southeast. Across both areas, more than 1,600 people are living on the streets or in temporary accommodation. And rough sleeper Ian has been telling us what it's like. It's tough because you never know where you're going to get your next meal from. You never know where you're going to get some change. You never know where you're going to be or what's going to happen. Are you going to see who's going to be rude to you? You know, like, you don't know. You can't plan anything. Well, bosses in Dartford, which is seventh in the southeast, according to the charity, say any number above zero is unacceptable and they're continuing to work to end rough sleeping. Council bosses in Swale, meantime, are looking to spend £11 million on temporary accommodation for people who are homeless. They want to buy 50 properties and convert them to help get rough sleepers off the streets. Kent Online reports. Ambulance workers in Kent have been striking again today. It's the second time members of the GMB union have walked out in a dispute over pay and conditions. We're being asked to only call 999 in an absolute emergency and use systems like 111 to get medical advice instead. South East Coast Ambulance Trust say they're working to prioritise the most seriously ill and injured patients. Dr Vin Duarca from NHS England has had this advice for patients. It's inevitable on a strike day that there will be some disruption and that's why if you don't have a life-threatening illness but you need an ambulance, you may have to wait longer uh, for an ambulance or you may be advised where it's safe for you to make your own way to hospital. Pictures at Kent Online today show how a breast screening clinic near Dartford has been vandalised with red handprints on the walls and footmarks left on doors. The council's investigating after discovering the damage in the St Mary's Road car park in Swanley last week. NHS bosses say they're extremely disappointed. A new report out today suggests one in six police officers in Kent are planning to resign in the next two years. 80% of staff who responded to a survey say they're unhappy with the current pay and the vast majority say they don't feel respected by the government. Well, the Kent Police Federation have found the cost of living crisis is also having a big impact. The Home Office, though, insists it remains an attractive and rewarding career. Well, let's get some reaction to this today from Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner. Matthew Scott has been speaking to Jamie Levy from our colleagues at KMTV. There are difficulties that we need to address within policing. Uh, Police officers need to be paid fairly and I've always argued that the government should pay police officers more because our contract with police officers is different. Um, But in addition we are working to address some of the concerns around workload with the recruitment of more police officers to help take some of that strain away but also address some of the other concerns that we can deal with locally around uh, shift patterns uh, and other things. So I am concerned about the report's findings um, I'm not surprised by them either. Uh, there are things that the Chief Constable and I are working on uh, in order to make things better for our officers and staff. Um, why do you think it is that um, at the moment um, the report found that voluntary resignations are at an all-time high? Uh, I think that there are a number of factors. Uh, pay is one of those. Uh, the, the workload that officers carry is another. Um, but also I find that there isn't 
a lot of support out there from some media organisations uh, and commentators for police officers themselves. The public as a whole, on as a whole, uh, typically support and trust their local police forces, but uh, some seem to have declared open season on the police, uh, and I think that's tremendously unfair. So people do feel uh, in the police a lack of support. It's not something uh, that I share. I'm always keen to praise and recognise their efforts. So a little bit of support, particularly from some national organisations, would, would be helpful. Um, and you, you spoke a bit about workload there, and we know obviously um, the numbers are, are, are low in police because of these, these voluntary resignations. Do you think that the 20,000 that the, um, the government has promised um, additional police officers is enough, or do you think that there's more that uh, needs to be recruited? Well, we've recruited 900 more police in the last six years. Uh, so we've got over 4,000 police officers for the first time in our history. Uh, and we're recruiting more before the end of March. So we've got more police officers coming in. Uh, but there are other things that I think we need to do. Yes, I would go further in carrying on the recruitment of police officers, uh, but I'd also increase the recruitment of police staff as well. Um, we have some critical functions such as call handlers, uh, analysts, property stores uh, that all contribute towards frontline policing, which didn't get recognised by the Uplift programme. So, yes, I would carry on supporting police officers if I was giving the funding to do so, but I'd also recruit more police staff as well. Um, do you think that policing remains um, a rewarding and an attractive career for, for, for new police officers? I think absolutely it does. And yes, while there are uh, debates to be had about uh, pay scales, there are many rewarding opportunities within policing uh, from the specialism, which is response policing uh, in, in terms of others, such as you know roads policing, uh, dog handling, counter-terrorism, detectives, uh, gangs and counter There are so many different careers that you can have in policing, all of which make a difference uh, to victims of crime, to uh, tackling reoffending, and making our county safer. So it is a rewarding career to be a police officer. It always has been, but we need to make sure that the government and others are doing absolutely everything they can to let them know that officers and staff are valued and will be treated properly. You can also watch KMTV's report by clicking on their pages of the Kent Online website and on tomorrow's podcast. We'll have more reaction from the Kent Police Federation on what this could mean for the county. Kent Online reports. 20 weeks of roadworks are due to start near Sittingbourne just as the coastbound slip roads on the nearby M2 reopen. Half a million pounds is going to be spent on making improvements to Staplehurst Road near the Sonora Fields housing estate. It'll mean temporary traffic lights and some overnight closures but is designed to ease congestion in the area. An independent art school in Kent that's been described as being a major community asset is just weeks away from having to close. The Margate School is Thanet's largest creative art provider and has been told it needs to raise £50,000 by the end of the month or it can no longer operate. Bosses have launched a crowdfund and say it not only means job losses, but the town would lose a hub for innovation too. There are currently 25 students there and more than 100 creative practitioners. Or well, Ish has been speaking to Uwe Dirksen, who's the school's director. When we started, we had the first crisis that was Brexit, because that cut us off from all the EU funding. Then the next crisis was COVID, lockdown. Our whole idea of developing and building up the provision came to a hold and we were just sort of ticking over just to try and survive COVID. But post-COVID, we were quite um, confident because uh, we then had more inquiries for the courses. Um, um, our studios are full. Then the Ukraine happened <laughs> and the cost of living crisis um, hit us. And that meant um, 
fewer than expected um, students um, applied or rather people actually just couldn't pay the even though it's it's a fairly low low fee still couldn't pay for the for the fees so the position now is that we've raised uh, everybody's come together and we've had an incredible support from our community we're trying to save the school uh, initially by trying to raise at least 50k so that we can imp implement the measures we put in place before Christmas, uh, carry on with the, the, the course and support our students and the, the whole community. And as I said, we've had an incredible support already uh, in terms of people offering to help fundraise and um, uh, spread the message, uh, you know, some, some donations. And the result already now is that at least one thing we've safeguarded, which is our MA second year students that were so close to gaining their qualification. So we've safeguarded, we managed to safeguard that element. So we've just uh, got another three weeks or so to see whether we can get the additional support to just continue as is and implement our plans, the, the plans we, we set out before Christmas. So we're just hoping that that will, um, you know, people will come forward to to help us in in helping our community. Basically, it's a you know a wonderful community, and I would hate and you know just having seen some of the messages that have come back to us, I would hate to see you know all that work that everybody's put into for it to be all lost and all the work for was for nothing. That would be that would be awful. It would be awful for Margate. It is a community asset and it's not just the community of creative people, it's the neighbourhood, the people that actually live here in that ward in the, the Margate ward and um, adjacent to it. Um, other people from further further afield, you know, uh, come to to uh, you know our monthly tech club for children and parents. Um, it seems slightly strange that there's public funding sitting there available. And here's an organization that is delivering all these things and it's now on its knees. Now is the moment to come forward and um, step in and say, yeah, this uh, um, we can allocate. And we're not talking about a huge amount. <laughs> we're not, we just want to have that that uh, break. Elsewhere, follow Kent Online on socials today to find out about the nine Kent schools getting state-of-the-art new buildings. Tens of millions of pounds is being spent in Canterbury, Thanet, Gravesend, Maidstone and Medway to make sure facilities are fit for the future. The sites will benefit from things like classrooms, sports halls, science blocks and dining rooms after funding was awarded by government. Major plans to make sure there's adequate housing, roads and other facilities for people in Gravesend are now three years behind schedule it's been revealed. There have been a number of delays which the council says are out of its hands. They're waiting for a transport model to show where traffic issues might be before they can publish their local plan. The National Trust is being urged to upgrade safety at one of its sites in Kent amid fears a child could get hurt. Neighbours say the crumbling Wool House barn, a former Oast House off Well Street in Lewes, is dangerous with scaffolding left around the open site for years. The charity say that's in place so structural repairs can be
be made to the property once the area has been made safe. Kent Online News. Farmers in Kent are calling for more clarity over government's plans to encourage greener practices. The Farming Minister, Mark Spencer, had announced new payments for those who take part in environmentally friendly schemes. But the National Farmers Union says a lack of detail currently published is causing uncertainty in the sector. Josiah Jones is a farmer near Gravesend and he's been speaking to our colleagues from KMTV. Without a doubt it's going to affect us. Um, For years now farming has been subsidised. So that means that we have realistically been producing food at well below the cost of production and um, therefore we've been topped up so that we can you know, survive doing so. Uh, the new schemes are much more based on environmental um, projects rather than just sort of open-ended schemes. Um, so this is something that we're going to have to take on. It's either that or we won't be able to carry on farming. Is it going to be difficult for you to adapt? I mean, um, they're talking about sort of use, not using sort of um, pesticides and, and, and uh, keeping the soil healthy and things like that. How difficult do you do these practices already, or is it sort of something you're going to have to adapt to to sort of get that that funding? Um, pesticides certainly. Uh, it, it's you, you, you try not to use them anyway. They're expensive. They're not very really destructive, but they're, they're you know you, you always try to use, use cultural methods anyway for what we do. Um, the, the real thing for us is that it will turn much more into projects and that's, that's sort of the worry is that how is that going to be funded? Are we going to have to fund that? Will that be funded beforehand? Um, how will this be measured? Um, and so on. Um, so how much more work do you think you're going to have to do now to sort of get that, that funding? The truth is we have no idea. I mean, it reads very well. The, um, I read a lot of the sort of structure of how they're going to, how, how they're going to plan this out and um, it reads very well. The nice thing is, is that it seems to be going from um, just a basic payment scheme where uh, you just get paid for having land, which seems like a, an odd way of doing things, um, now into doing these projects, which is you know, a, much, a much kinder thing from a tenant farmer's point of view. Um, the only worrying thing from a tenant, tenant farmer's point of view is that landowners will then go, well, I'm better off having the whole thing in trees than having you there. Right, and... and I mean, this money now, um, what is it going to do for you? Is it going to sort of help to keep you afloat or is it going to just be going to be something a bit more extra? Um, oh no, it, it will without a doubt help us keep afloat. The, again, the, uh, it's a bit worrying in that they say, well, farmers could be due uh, maybe 10% more than what they had previous. Well, that's great, but um, as everyone knows, costs have risen, um, especially for us, um, some of our inputs have gone up threefold, fourfold. Um, it's not actually going to bridge that gap as well as these projects, um, are we going to have to pay out a lot for them before we see that money back? Um, I'd like to think they've thought about this and I'd like to think that they're not going to let us go past overnight, but we will. We will see. Isabel Bretherton is the South East Rep for the National Farmers Union. Basically, since we've left the European Union, um, DEFRA has for a long time now, almost sort of five years, been trying to develop new farm support schemes. And the announcements made by Farming Minister um, Mark Spencer um, are broadly to be welcomed. But unfortunately, the detail is still very scant. But there is some good news in the package of um, announcements in that there will be an uplift on um, countryside stewardship payments, not on the highest level ones, but certainly on the broader ones. And also that for the sustainable farming incentive to encourage um, nature friendly farming, 
Um, there will be like a, a management fee for participation. And that's really going to help the smaller farms and also tenant farmers to participate. So broadly speaking, it's to be welcomed. But we are banging our heads against a brick wall, in all honesty, and that we just don't have the detail. And with all the volatility that farmers are experiencing because of, you know, rising fuel and energy costs, um, and, and just, you know, the cost of anything, you know, whether it's fertiliser or fuel, it's gone up astronomically. And therefore, you know, farmers need as much income as they can get to, to stay in business and to deliver public goods. Um, you know, so, so government was talking about public money for public goods almost five years ago now, and we still don't have quite enough detail to give farmers certainty. And the other thing that the NFU is, um, we're looking at the detail now today, but the other thing the NFU is concerned about is when these um, payments were actually calculated. Um, in fact, some of them were calculated a while back and therefore they need updating again. But but there's good news in there, you know, about hedgerow creation. There's going to be more money for that. And uh, that will help the energy to reach net zero by 2040. I mean, I think government's aiming for by 2050. But, you know, hedges and copses on farms are brilliant ways of storing carbon and, you know, and, and these kind of measures will really help farmers to do the right thing. And, you know, we all love a good hedge. <laughs> it's part of the patchwork of the of the Kent countryside. And uh, and I think, you know, some of these measures will be welcomed. We'd just like more detail. The owner of a Faversham cafe says she's heartbroken at being forced to close. Eleanor Lambert, who runs the yard, says she fought for as long as she could, even taking on a second job. But the climate and circumstances mean the business is no longer viable. Customers have described it as a big loss to their little town. It's feared a revamp of a Whitstable pub could see it lose its status as a music venue. Shepherd Neem runs the Duke of Cumberland pub on the High Street and has submitted plans to upgrade and expand the building. More than 1,800 people have signed a campaign to save live music at the site, as it's not mentioned in the proposals. Again, Charity is encouraging us to host a bagpush-themed party next month as part of a fundraising campaign. Hospices of Hope, which is based near Sevenoaks, says events inspired by the much love children's TV character could help transform the lives of poorly children. Well, you may not know that Bagpuss was actually created right here in Kent and celebrates his own birthday in February. Anyone who's interested can order a special event kit through the charity's website. And finally, Olivia Coleman has missed out on winning a Golden Globe for her performance in Empire of Light, which was filmed in Margate. She was beaten by Kate Blanchett in the Best Drama Actress category in LA overnight. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham have made their first January signing and second under new owner Brad Gallanson. Midfielder Timothy Dieng has completed a permanent deal from League One Exeter City for an undisclosed fee. The 30-year-old can also play in defence and scored 17 times in 68 appearances in all competitions since signing for Exeter in the summer of 2021. Meantime, the Jills are offering fans the chance to pay what they can during a match at Priestfield next month. The side are currently bottom of League Two and host Crawley Town in what's set to be a crucial game in their fight for League Two survival. The club say they want to make their home ground a fortress and tickets can be purchased for as little as £1. Staying with football and the owners of Maidstone United have agreed a deal to sell the club. It's being taken over by local businessman and lifelong fan Alan Manchett. He'll be hoping to help the team avoid relegation from the National League this season and is also thought to be interested in long-term projects including improving the Gallagher Stadium. And finally, at Kent Online today, we've got pictures of football legend David Beckham 
watching his son play in Kent last night. 20-year-old Romeo was making his debut for Brentford B and came on as a sub against Irith and Belvedere in Welling. Bex had been trying to keep a low profile but was soon spotted by fans and had to climb over a fence and through some undergrowth to leave the ground at the end of the game. Romeo was on the winning side as it finished 3-2 in the London Senior Cup. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, just head to kentonline.co.uk and watch it on the site today. You can head to the trending section to find out why some people are leaving their Christmas decorations up until February. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.